Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm, of course, Nick Bumbrenner, joined, as always, by Chris Burke in March Madness time, Chris. The weather's uh, getting a little better. It's not as depressing and terrifying around here <laughs> these days, so that's good, at least. And the Lions, of course, have a lot going on, but how are we doing, first of all? How things going? Waiting on that random... When's the random March snowstorm? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Waiting on Probably that one. Any day, uh, I would assume, <laughs> any moment yeah, here. 60 yeah. degree weather in, in true Michigan fashion. Every like The entire <laughs> right. world is outside. Like, yeah, yeah. Jogging and walking. And <laughs> Waiting for that chores. rug pull. Waiting yeah. for the rug pull. But in any event, obviously this week we did speak with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell uh, briefly on Zoom there. I believe it was Tuesday as this would normally be uh, combine time, and obviously that's not happening this year, which, I don't know, to me, I I was totally fine with that. I don't know about <laughs> how you feel about the combine. I know a lot of people were like, oh, I miss being at the combine, and I'm like, no, I don't miss ever being at the combine, but whatever. Uh, we did have our sort of pre-free agency, pre-draft, uh, all that hullabaloo type of talk with those guys. And really, Chris, where I want to start today uh, as free agency is sort of around the corner here, and the Lions are in, you know, a pretty unique position, uh, we haven't gotten, you know, direct. Here's what we're going to do, obviously, or here's what we're not going to do. But based on everything we've heard from these guys and sort of observed, um, especially with the cap and everything else, which we've written about, what are sort of your, what's your sort of read or approach or a thought, I guess, on on how they're going to approach uh, the free agency period and sort of what what to expect we'll see maybe um in terms of moves uh well first off i enjoy the combine because i like i like indianapolis and uh and uh it's like fair yeah it's especially like given what the last year has been uh it's always a nice time to just kind of catch up with yeah like everyone who covers football uh is in the same spot i don't love the like uh yeah i'll meet you at the bar at 1 30 in the morning (laughs) Uh, I don't love that. That's not really my thing. Uh, especially it was a little better last year. They changed the schedule. So the press conferences started later, but usually it would be like, close down the bar, get up for the seven 30 press conference. And it was, and then just stand in the convention center for nine hours. So, um, you want to look inside of our lives. That's what it is. (laughs) I miss seeing some folks I haven't seen in a while, but that's about it. But that's true in general of life right now. Um, but as for the lions, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's going to be any huge surprises. They had the reported, uh, agreement here with Tyrell Williams, which everyone, you know, as always happens when the first money numbers come out, everyone's like, "Oh, that's way too much money, six million for this guy." And then we find out later it's going to be like, you know, it'll probably be close to the veteran minimum if I had to guess on the salary and like insurance injury guarantees and things like that. So I, I'm sure that's a reasonable contract. But I think otherwise, you know, they're I don't know that they're keeping any of this under wraps. I mean, they, they've been pretty clear that they don't anticipate. Spending on a bunch of the guys at the top of this class, they don't right. really have the money to go do that. They just want to find some guys. Dan Campbell said, you know, we want to, you know, whatever his exact wording was, like basically we need guys to come in here that we can trust for a couple years to, you know, play and right. not kill the locker room. Uh, we need help help establishing this culture. We need some help bringing the young guys along. Um, and so that's where they're at. I mean, it sounds like, more or less, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. It's basically what the Tigers have been doing or trying right. to do, you know, like just get through two years 
and be as competitive as possible. And if it somehow miraculously clicks and you go nine and seven and you're in the hunt, great. But I, I don't know. Do you have a different read? I mean, do you think that there's like a surprise or two along the way here? I would be surprised if they spent anything, you know, that we would deem sizable, I guess, uh, except, there, you know, unless it was maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess if you were able to move some things around and you were able to keep one of Romeo or Kenny, you know, if you're able to do that, I guess maybe would, I wouldn't call it a shock or whatever, but uh, it, it would feel surprising to me because I think for a number of reasons they've talked about this, you know, the culture of the team uh, is going to be set and developed and fostered by the guys they draft. I mean, the guys that they bring in here, the younger players, and probably some of the guys that they decide to keep that are younger on the team right now, you know, guys they bring in in free agency, veterans, uh, you know, my under my sort of read is pretty much the same as yours in that I think that they're looking for guys who realistically, they're just, you know, they're bringing them in and saying, hey, you need a place. We think you're a good person, a good character, you know, worker, everything else. Um, and we think you can help us for X number of months, year, whatever, uh, you know, at a reasonable, you know, I think, well, you know, the, this, the deal we saw yesterday came out with, uh, I think, what is it up to six and a half or up to six point something, yeah, something or whatever, like 6. Um, three, I think. Right. So I think we could see some of those, you know, some more of those type of situations come in where it's like, Hey, if this works out better than, you know, it has for you in the last couple of years, we'd be willing to do something more. If not, whatever, we think you can come in here and help us either way. Those type of small moves, uh, I guess you'd call them, but you know, I, I you look around at the board here, and you're just like, they need a lot of stuff. And typically, you'd look at all that and say, you know, they need a lot of stuff if they're going to compete. But it's also like somebody talked to me about this the other day. They're like, it's for so long, Lions fans have always been in the mindset of like, well, we'll just go out and sign a couple guys, and we'll try to figure this out. I mean, it's you know, like even if the team was in these restart sets, I'm not sure if they've been in a full tear it all down, restart everything again since probably what before or right after the winless. Uh, season yeah. somewhere in there. I think this is so. This is you should look at it like that. I really think. I mean, the, the everything they're doing in terms of where the direction of the the franchise is going to go will be dependent on you know who they draft. I just don't see them. Number one, they don't have the ability to do that. They don't have the ability to go out and spend. But even if like they were able to get down the road like next year, let's say, or even whatever, and, and had a bunch of money. I mean, it would still have to be, I think, a you know, a proper. It wouldn't be like what we saw from the Quinn Patricia situation either way, where they came in here and just gave out giant contracts, you know, immediately. I don't think we're going to see anything like that, and it's not possible. So that's a, you know, that's what it seems like to me. But it makes it hard, I guess. Uh, you got you got to look around and see some of the familiar faces that these guys have worked with, and there's a lot of them because this, the staff's reach in the NFL is is pretty wide. Um, but it's kind of tough, right? Because it's you, you just don't know what they're willing to spend on on which position. We saw, you know, a noted ad at receiver who we could look at that as, you know, he's either going to replace what Marvin or Kenny or both. Who knows? I guess. But it remains to be seen, sort of, I guess, how high they want to go in certain areas because they will have to address some needs, you know, via free agency this year, depending right. on how it shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think just in terms of, uh, you know, I don't want to say like he's going to replace. Marvin Jones or something, sure. you know, like, but I think just in terms of the type of player he is or was before he missed all last season, like that's, you look at his numbers and sort of the types yeah. of routes he ran and, and the, the way he was effective. It, it's, it's similar to what Marvin Jones gave you before. So I think that, you know, that makes some sense if you're saying, well, we're going to keep Kenny, Kenny somehow franchise mm -hmm. tag, whatever. And uh, this will be our number two guy and we'll mix Cephas in there. Like, I think that you could figure that out, but I, I do think that there's going to be, 
a few of those, I don't think that's a terrible way to go. You know, that's a guy no. who was, um, you know, he had a thousand yard season a few years back. He was productive for two years uh, under Anthony Lynn. Really and good then athlete he went to too. Oakland. Yeah. He got a big contract in Oakland mm-hmm. before it was Las Vegas. Uh, you know, four years, forty-four million, and then he just got hurt. And so I don't think it's a bad idea to see if there's a handful of those guys. You know, we Brad Holmes talked about it the other day. Like this is going to be a year where you might be able to sign some of those guys because everyone wants to get to next year when there's more money available. So uh, you might be able to get some of these guys on you know one year, two year flyers and see what they could do and. And maybe that helps you be more competitive. Um, I wouldn't entirely rule out like that they pinpoint one guy somewhere that they're mm-hmm. like, this is our foundation guy. We need to go get him. And I think it would be someone that they do have a connection with, whether it's, you know, Marcus Williams or yeah, John Johnson. Point. Like those are both safeties. But, you know, that that idea, like one guy that you say, all right, we're going to spend 50% of what we've got available on this guy and then we'll figure out the rest. I, yeah, I that's see that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I don't think that's not a terrible. Uh, I think that'd be okay. I mean, I think that if they were able to, you know, especially if it's a guy like Williams, why did the Saints want to keep him? I think you know, I think I've read, we've read that here in recent days. But like, if it's someone like that, for sure, they can come in and fill a position of need and be a character tone setter and just a good player. Then I don't think that's an issue, you know, at all. But again, you know, it's probably going to be tough. I just look at this 10 different ways and you know teams obviously can do a lot of things with the cap and figure it out and I'm sure they will but there's just not a lot of wiggle room you know to go off of so I think that for the most part any additions that you see through free agency will be <laughs> will be guys that you've either never heard of or, <laughs> or or guys that you know like Tyrell Williams who you know you have heard and that which is a great example I mean Chris brought it up He's a really good athlete. Uh, I think he had, it was a shoulder uh, injury that that yep. cost him last year, so it's not anything with the legs. You know, really, if you're looking at that, you look at that, you say he's got familiarity with Anthony Lynn. Um, that's a really good signing. It's a guy that's trying. He's not that old yet. You know, he's still in his late twenties. He's got a chance to come in here and prove something, whether it be in Detroit or elsewhere. That type of you know, the floor isn't terrible. The ceiling could be much higher. But it's low risk anyway. You know those type of additions. You know at receiver. You know maybe at corner you you can find somebody like that. Um, you know maybe another linebacker somewhere in there too. Those type of guys, uh, I think, are the ones that we'll see this go through because it's not. It's not to say that the Lions are trying to tank. I don't think that you can you can say that because we've been over that. Like, it's just not really a thing in football. But I don't believe they're expecting their roster to be you know a powerhouse next year. Uh, or even maybe the year after that, and is what it is. I mean, I just think I think it will be a departure for a lot of people when when you know when you look at free agency and everything else, and what you look at across the leagues. We do get a lot of questions about certain things that sometimes always are head scratchers. But yeah, I don't know how else to look. I don't think it'll be overly exciting. I don't think it'll be anything that's like, whoa, what happened here? I mean, I, th- wrong, I also I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I like totally. It, I think I that's think how it should be. Are very clear about what they think. They need to do to build this thing. I think it's a smart way to go about it. it. You're, I think they understand, and they, you know, they again, they don't really want to come out and say it, but I think they've hinted around that they expect this year to be, like, if they're going to win games, they're going to win it because of their outworking teams, or yeah. they maybe scheme up some stuff that catches get teams off balance and and pull a few surprises. Like, I think that that's how they're going to win. You know, they're not going to go out there and, and rip off forty-one to ten wins. They're going to have to win like. 24 21 forcing mm-hmm. three turnovers and 
and just hanging on for dear life. Like, I think that that's fine for a year. I do think you also kind of have to take a, a new lens on what's already on this roster because yeah. there are a lot of these guys where if this was Patricia and Quinn, you'd say, well, that guy didn't, you know, he, mm-hmm. he wasn't very good. We got to get rid of him. And now you're looking at it where, uh, a lot of these young guys that maybe you would have squeezed out, I think are, are probably going to wind up being part of the plan for next year because they're cheap. And maybe you can try to develop them for another year. Um, get more of a, it doesn't sound like it's, it's probably not going to be a full off season program, but maybe more of a usual off season program. And so, yeah. At spots like you know, offensive line, they've kind of talked about a little bit, but I think you look at, you know, we were saying like maybe Logan Stenberg doesn't really make sense anymore. He he never played last year. That pick right. looked kind of like a waste, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's now. a yeah, guy right. like that attitude that we sure. talked about with him. Like he's a guy that just goes out there and just like beats the crap out of people. Maybe the technique isn't there, but mm-hmm. he's going to play to the whistle, and that seems like a Dan Campbell type of guy, and like. Some of those guys you you look at that maybe didn't make a whole lot of sense before, and now I I could see sticking around as part of the plan just because they don't have a lot of other options, and so you you kind of go back through this roster and just uh, there are at least a handful of those guys I think that maybe stick around and maybe become even part of the rotation because the Lions don't have a ton of options, and I think they'd prefer to go down with. Well, let's take this twenty-three-year-old and try to yeah. develop him oh, yeah. instead of let's sign this thirty-two-year-old for a year and just plug and play and you know go five and eleven. Like I don't think it <laughs> does much for you to just go sign a bunch of free agents, and I think they're they're aware of that. Yeah, the growth mindset here of you know if nothing else, we have to be growing. We have to be. We can't be just putting someone in there with duct tape to to get us through a situation. No, I mean, they have to be growing pretty much across the board. You mentioned some hint dropping uh, that, you know, they've given out. You know, I thought listening to Brad Holmes earlier this week that he chose his words very carefully uh, with a lot of the things that he discussed. And you mentioned receiver there a minute ago. And I want to sort of stick on that before we move forward into deeper into the draft here. You know, with the Galladay situation, obviously, and everything else, you know, I thought it was super interesting when Holmes was asked at one point about, I don't remember if it was about Galladay specifically uh or something else it might have been and you know he went into an explanation about in 2017 you know how he and the Rams scouting department and obviously Lesney and the front office staff were able to take what was a dire looking receiver room and flip it into a very productive situation pretty painlessly and pretty easily uh which you know when I read between the lines on that I look at that and say that means if Kenny Galladay's not here he's not going to be panicking in terms of younger we've talked about this younger receivers entering the league these days are catching on at a faster rate it it's possible and easier maybe and makes more sense perhaps to build that room through the draft anyway so when we look at that position as it is right now and we say well next year's not going to be of the utmost most importance in terms of, you know, you've got to win a bunch of games. You want to have some guys out there. So you're not in a shocking situation if you lose Galladay necessarily, but it's also important, I think, to explain to people, right, that do you need to invest in a guy like that who's 28, 29 years old when, you know, you're talking to a, a scout here who thinks, I think correctly, that you can restock that position on the cheap with younger players and you might not be losing that much. And I think that if you look at it that way, it makes a little more sense. Yeah, I mean, I I keep going back and forth on Galladay because I, it's just so hard to... 
I know this wasn't this regime, but it's this is a draft and develop guy. This was a mid-round yep. pick that you've turned into a number one receiver, and now he's about to hit the market. He wants to get paid like a number one receiver, and so it's all sort of follow the timeline that it was expected to follow, except that Bob Quinn didn't resign him or give him the contract right. extension. So that was the only missing piece, and it's obviously a big one here. And and you're now you got to try and kind of weigh like, does a tag and trade get you more back now? Then letting him go and trying to play the comp pick game would get you back, or does it guarantee? I mean, if you tag and trade him, you're guaranteed whatever you're trading him for. The comp pick formula, you know, I would assume you'd be able to get up pretty high with him if they're not signing think, a lot yeah. of people, but you never know. That thing is is kind of weird from year to year. Yeah, true. Um, so I I kind of go back and forth on him because I think it it's tough to let that kind of talent go but you're right especially picking at seven and you look mm-hmm. i mean we've talked about this already the number the names that are there uh you're probably getting at least one of maybe two of jalen waddle Devonte smith mm-hmm. jamar chase there there's going to be talent we've seen guys in rounds two i mean justin jefferson last year was oh yeah great. phenomenal for minnesota um and, and there are those guys you can't, you can't expect everyone to be those guys but certainly you can go grab uh one or two of them and plug in with Williams and Quintus Cephas and maybe sign one more cheap veteran. And I don't think it's the worst receiving core in the league. No. So yeah, it'll be interesting. That's really a big one because re-signing him to a huge number or giving him the franchise tag kind of works against every other talking point they've had so far. Right. right. Um, and so I don't know how that, yeah, I don't know how that necessarily plays in. I just don't see this. Like you, the last thing you said there is everything for me that I, that I just can't get my head off of. It's like committing to him long-term right now. Uh, Take out the fact that, you know, whether or not we think he's a legit number one receiver, I I think we both think that he can be, and it's reasonable to, you know, suspect maybe he will be. If you take all that out, that to me right now doesn't matter. The long-term commitment, given the cap situation, given the fact that the roster needs to be, you know, you're gonna if you sign him for four years, you might not be good for another like two or three. I mean, why are you paying him that much in that in the current situation? It just doesn't make a lot of sense at all uh, to go long term with him. But at the same time, I mean, if you if they do think he's you know an irreplaceable type talent, then I guess it is what it is, and, and you go forward with him. But I mean, I just to me the the tag and trade I guess makes the most sense. Although, what do you what do we? Have you thought any longer on what you think they could get for him? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's back? the problem. I mean, that's a tough one, <laughs> that's right? the like, challenge. Yeah. Uh, and especially because, as we're talking about, I mean, if he gets to the market, I'm sure there'll be one or two teams that come up with the huge money to give him yeah. what he wants. Uh, but if you're tagging him, I mean, you're not going to have 31 teams there calling about him and saying, right. we'll give you this. You're going to have a couple teams that are in a position to – you know, fit him under the cap and have the type of draft capital you want. I mean, I don't think it's unrealistic to get. I, I mean, I my I think you're basically trading him for what you be aiming for as a comp pick the next Probably, year, yeah. right? Like you'd be clearing that salary off the books. You maybe get a three. Like if you get a three and a day three pick, that's I think what I you'd thought. Probably get yeah. out of there and right. take that right away. Um, but I don't. You're not getting a one for him. You're not getting. I doubt you'd get a two. Maybe. Maybe you get like a late two if you're mm-hmm. lucky, but I think you'd be trying to get a couple picks that, with at least one of them on day two. And, you know, I, is that all right? Is that enough? I don't know. I mean, yeah. but again, you talk about like the, it's just the the type of commitment this is going to take. And even to franchise tag him for 
16, 17 million. And then Ugh. you kind of look down the list. We just talked about Tyrell Williams signing cheap. I mean, you could go get like your receiving core is going to be worse if you replace Kenny Galladay with Brashad Perriman or yeah. Josh Reynolds or something. But for a year, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, all right. I mean, those are guys who can play right. in the NFL. So I. I don't know. It's a tough. It's a really tough decision. I mean, you don't think. I've also had people ask this since Holmes' press conference. Is there any possibility in your mind that Romeo Okwara gets tagged? No, I don't see that. <laughs> I, that that would make even less sense to me. I mean, yeah. again, the Galladay one, you know, is like I'm with you in that I go back and forth. Although I think I'm I lean harder toward maybe the I just wouldn't keep him. I you know I'd try to trade him, but. It, I could I could understand it I guess a little more than with Romeo and and I and I guess with his situation too, man I mean with the current situation we talked about this earlier the week um, you know maybe he's in a really tough spot you know in terms of we don't know what contracts are going to be like right now we just saw what JJ Watts um, deal was with Arizona what's that mean for a guy like Okora has he done enough I mean our team's going to be a little more hesitant with the money I I have, I have no idea what the market I would just let that sort of play itself out, I guess. I, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't tag or commit yeah. long-term to that one probably right now, given the situation. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting spot. But, again, you know, with the Galladay thing, I wrote a couple weeks ago when we wrote about this, and it got aggregated by Bleacher Report incorrectly. Uh, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote that, wow. that I think that, yeah, wrote, that Jarvis Landry got, they, the Dolphins got a, I want to say it was a fourth, in a seventh or a third in a seventh. And, you know, I think I wrote somewhere in there that like a second round pick probably wouldn't be necessarily off the table completely, but, you know, it seems like a third in there. And then if you could get one more would be probably the best you're going to hope for. And I think that that's probably reasonable and doable. Um, But again, yeah, I mean, the bigger thing for me would be what you brought up, Chris, is that I don't know how many teams you're going to have that are going to be in situations that, that want to pay him. So it's sort of like the Slay thing where they were in a spot where they had to trade him. Everyone knew they had to trade him. He's on Twitter telling them, you have to trade me. <laughs> and you, you, look, you look around and you're like, well, how many teams want him? And there's just at some point you might not get a ton back, but I don't know what else you do. It's a tough, uh, tough spot overall. We do want to talk about the draft, of course. You know, Brad Holmes got into a little bit of that and did drop the quarterback line. Ugh. God. That we've all been waiting for uh, to get into this, and I thought I thought it was smart. I thought it was smart. Yeah, I think what they're sure. doing is exactly how you should do this. Last year they were in a really tough spot. I I, I think they made a miscalculation uh, with how they handled the Stafford rumors, but at the same time I sort of understood it, given where you know Patricia and Quinn were at, and you know they were in no man's land, so it was whatever. But not tipping your hand, not not playing it. You know Holmes mentioned it. You got. Quarterbacks of all shapes and sizes and flavors and everything else, a lot to like, and he's not wrong. You know, I mean, this is, we haven't gotten too deep into this conversation here, but four quarterbacks in the top 10, you know, obviously Lawrence's situation is different, but Wilson Fields and Trey Lance, I mean, we've both watched enough on these guys. These are top 10. I think these are all top 10 picks. I think they're all worthy of that. Um, the question becomes, you know, if you wait and if you kick it down the road, you know, are you going to find yourself in a situation where you can reasonably go up and get a guy that you fall in love with? Do you need to do it faster? In, in, a, in an ideal world, I think you, you'd you want to pick a guy right now. I, I just don't know if it's an ideal world. I don't know what they're going to do, but I sort of wanted to get your read on this and talk about this because I thought it was 
calculated uh, for Brad Holmes to say what he said. And the right move to do that is you want to keep teams sort of guessing on what you're going to do here. Well, I mean, I think for starters, you're right. Like if Trevor Lawrence wasn't in this class or if any, if all those guys had come back and said, we're going to go to the draft next year, we'd be talking about him as like legitimate number one pick options. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that there's, I mean, I know people are, which I don't really understand. People are already starting to kill Justin Fields Uh, for various things. Uh, But to me, that is a guy, like if he's there, we've talked about this, if he's there at seven, uh, yeah. Even if you're not saying going into the saying, well, we got to take a quarterback. If he falls to you at seven, there's a very good chance he's your best player available yeah. on your draft board in Allen Park. Uh, totally. And so you just go make that pick and then figure out golf and figure out the rest of the roster later. Because as we said, you know, this isn't going, you're not picking someone to come win the Super Bowl for you in 2021. So mm-hmm. I think it does make some sense. Uh, you know, I don't know that. Uh, I think they've left everything on the table, which I think is the goal going into any draft is just to have all your options open. I think all the options are open. They have enough capital now with the Stafford trade in the next two drafts where if they are in love with Zach Wilson Mm -hmm. or Trey Lance or Justin Fields, they could call Miami or call the Jets and say, we'll give you multiple ones. We want to come up and get this guy. And that's your biggest step in the rebuild is you go get your quarterback. And I don't think that that's... I, I don't think that's the likeliest scenario, but I don't think it's totally off the table because I do think all three of those guys are potential franchise quarterbacks. And I, I don't think I'd be shocked if we get out of the top 10 and one of them is still left. And I think you're yeah, <laughs> starting I to hear people trend it the other way where now you're like, well, maybe Mac Jones will go. Well, that's 11, convenient, isn't it? 12. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't take Mac Jones there, but no. if, if Justin Fields is there at seven, if Trey Lance is there at seven, I mean, I think you think long and hard about making that decision because you have to. And Brad Holmes, that was the reason he pushed them to trade up for Goff in L.A. And you can you know, argue whether that was the right move or not. But he more or less took the stance of we're not going to complete this vision we have without getting the quarterback we want. And so if you right. see the quarterback you want here, well, <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're drafting – uh, you're not just reaching way out of left field to find someone here. Like again, these are, I think these are all. Leg- I don't know how much you've watched of Wilson or Lance at this point, but I know you know Fields. Like these yeah. are legitimate guys. I've I so I spent time. I think it was last week, and I've watched more of Will. I had watched more of Wilson than I had Lance, but I made myself sit down and watch more Lance last week. And I got to tell you, I mean, he was the he was the one question that I had of like, you know, is he a top ten? Is he is he a legit top ten quarterback, right? Because I'd seen obviously clips and, uh, but I really sat down and went through everything um, that I could find. And I mean, physically, he's probably the most talented yeah, right. quarterback in the class. <laughs> I mean, uh, my answer is yes that he is a top ten, you know, worthy pick in terms of, you know, sort of his physical athletic profile. His arm is ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. The ball. You know, people. Wilson's is too. Frankly, I mean, he can he can chuck it as well. For obviously, he's smaller, but no. I mean, I think that all of them, and I think that the nitpicking on Fields, you know, what came in after Northwestern was able to scheme up a pretty good plan against him, and he looked funky in that game. But then he comes out and just completely shreds Clemson. I mean, shredded Clemson. <laughs> right. Let's remember right. that he didn't just like have a nice day. He completely shredded Clemson, and Clemson's defense was better this year than it was a year ago, the team that beat Ohio State. 
And they have a situation where they never lose coaches, all the things about everything else we know about Clemson. So all of them have things that you can ding on and nitpick because I think what's happening here is that Lawrence, you know, people look at Trevor Lawrence and they just don't see any flaws, right? And I think that, fair enough, if you watch three straight years of Trevor Lawrence, you could find something that, you know, maybe you don't like completely about his game or something that uh, maybe bothers you or whatever else. But for the most part, you are not seeing a lot that you hate about Trevor Lawrence, and he's pretty much an agreed-upon number one pick, which I think leads people to get even further in nitpicky land about these other three guys. And, no, I mean, Mac Jones being moved moved up the board. I don't know what Mac Jones is going to be, but, I mean, physically, those other three – I think they're all top 10 picks, and I and I just go back and forth. And I think to your point earlier about, you know, the Lions having the ability, if they wanted to move up, they could. You know, it, it should also be stated that, like, if you get down the road to next year and, like, Keldon Slovis or one of these guys just explodes and you want him, they, they would have enough to move up then, too, regardless of sort of where they're at. But, you know, I mean, you just don't know. And I think that that's the thing to remember here is that they don't have to trade up necessarily. They probably won't have to trade up if they want to take one of these guys. They could sit here at seven and take probably get Trey Lance if they wanted to. So those are the situations that are at play here. Are you going to roll the dice, kick the can, and hope that you have another class like this, which looks pretty good? I mean, for right now, I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, I think all three of these guys can play. I, I think all three of them will have a pretty good shot to be pretty good. I don't know if they're all going to be Mahomes or something, but like I think they'll all be pretty good football players. Uh, in the NFL, especially, I mean, physically, Lance and Fields are terrific. I just don't know how else Wilson is too. I mean, he's a different package of a guy, but I don't know. I mean, if you're a team that needs a quarterback, you got three right here. I get the fact that it might not be likely, and, and maybe it makes more sense to move down. But man, oh man, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. I think it's legitimately a tough decision for the Lions, and not one that they're just blowing smoke on because I think that it, it has to be. The scouts on those three guys has to be just like completely exhaustive because you have to know for sure, number one. But, uh, man, passing on one and watching them take off would be tough because, you know, you're you're right here. You can do anything you want. And uh, I think that that's the thing that keeps sticking in my head. I honestly – I don't know if this is just – like this is just the stuff that happens during the draft. I honestly don't even know where some of the Justin Fields criticisms are coming from, well, frankly. Uh, I think it's <laughs> – Like I get yeah, the Northwestern right. game, there, and I get that he played with elite – talent i i don't know that it, what did mac jones do who, who, who the hell do people think mac jones is playing with bums <laughs> <laughs> I mean, jesus yeah go ahead sir i i just mean like some of the specific stuff where they talk about like you know not getting through his progressions or he's too quick right. to get out of the pocket like the, some of it is just the opposite of what justin fields actually right. is where he if any if i have any complaint on justin fields it's that he stays in the pocket too long sometimes mm-hmm. exactly and it's just too slow uh, getting you know getting to a point where you say all right get out of there just go do something um but I, I i agree i mean i think he's probably closer just because of the level of competition he's faced and the fact that he played in 2020 mm-hmm. as opposed to uh trey lance that you know if you were to say we want someone to come compete for week one reps like justin fields is probably closer than trey lance but trey lance i mean the other thing about going back and looking at his tape is uh it's a challenge because he's yeah. playing an FCS schedule a year ago as a 19-year-old and so you're saying well some of this stuff we certainly can coach out of him when there are bad moments but there's a lot of projection you need to do there and so I can understand sort of both ends of the spectrum 
on that. Uh, Wilson, I Wilson feels like the least likely to fall to them at right. seven. Like I, I almost am talking about him as I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence, where it's like he's going to be gone at two, yeah, right. whether it's the Jets or Houston or whoever's making that pick. Um, but I think Lancer Fields, yeah, like I said, I think if they're there at seven, you you've got to really dive into that and think about which direction you want to take this rebuild. Mac Jones, I'm with you. And especially because I just don't know how much it helps you in the modern NFL to take a pure pocket quarterback who can't yeah, no, do anything doesn't. outside I, I the just, pocket. And that's my tr- Kyle Trask complaint right. too, as we go further down the board. Like, I think you almost have to have one of these athletes up there. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, does how free agency play out over the next month impact that number seven pick at all? Or do you think that that number seven pick is just sort of its own thing at this point? Like they just take, like they're not going to sign anyone who's going to impact what's going to happen at number seven. I don't think so. I mean, that would be surprising Um, at this point. You know, I think that based on everything like we've just talked about, I mean, that would be a little alarming, I suppose, (laughs) but I guess, you know, if they did do that, you know, if they signed Kenny, you know, we'd probably take the receiver component maybe off the board. I mean, maybe you wouldn't be doing that. In that scenario, but I, I, I don't think that it'll have an impact. I just, to me, I think the whole thing starts with, you know, they keep talking about it has to be somebody that we are completely in love with, right? Like, that's the tricky thing about somebody like Trey Lance, where you watch him and, and they, you know, he was protected as well. I mean, they, they ran some stuff that you're just not going to run in the NFL. They let him, you know, do a lot of zone reads, and I'm not sure how much you're going to be able to do that. And a lot of this stuff looked the way it looked, you know, based on, you know, the offense he was in, you know, how they sort of helped him along as a younger player in the competition he's playing. So I get that if if you're not sure on a guy like that, I would understand that. And I guess the same thing could be said for somebody like Fields. Like if you wanted to get totally down the rabbit hole there and be like, well, you know what? He's playing with just got, you know, world-class sprinters that are always open. No one's ever covered. You know, everything's easy. It's not going to be like that. And he does have the one thing about his game that everybody – you know, rightly so, you know, has nitpicked is there can be times where he sticks on a read too long and it gets him into trouble. I mean, but again, that, you know, if you're not rushing him to start, those are all things you can get around. So if you're not in love completely with one of those two, then I think you trade the pick. But you have to, I think, prove to yourself first and foremost that you're not in love with one of those two. And if you are, you have to take one. I mean, I think that that's where I land on. And if if they go down and scout everything they can and get every bit of detail, which they're doing right now, I'm sure, and they all come back and say, I don't know what, you know, Justin Fields is the guy. We, you know, there's not a lot we can create here to say that we, we don't like him. Then you got to draft him. I think that that's, and you got to figure out, like you said, you got to figure out what you're going to do with golf, but you can't let a guy that you think is going to be the guy just go because you're not ready to do it. That's the last thing you want to do. So that's the one thing... I think the draft for the Lions starts with what's your what is your opinion of Fields and Lance? Because I agree with you. I don't think Wilson's going to be there unless you're so in love with him that you want to take extra picks and move up. That, to me, does not seem uh, like it's smart unless you're, you think he's the best player in the draft and it's not even close. But, you know, if, if, you, if you can't fall in love with one of those two guys, then I think you trade down. I think that that's where I would go with it. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. I don't, you could stay and and get other value, but I still think that there's more to be had if you're not in love with a quarterback here to go down, uh, get an extra pick or two, maybe in the top 100 if you can, and then focus on getting four or five starters. And I think that they're in position to do either if they want to do that right now. 
Yeah, and I don't know that any. I agree with you. I don't think anything that happens over the next month and a half is going to impact. You know, where they say, okay, well, we don't. We're not going to even pay attention to this position at yeah. seven, and even at wide receiver. Even if you sign Galladay, you bring back Galladay. Uh, I mean, realistically, you're. It's three years, four years. I mean, you'd still want. Uh, that compliment to him you still would want that big play guy and you'd want someone to be your number one when Galladay is leaving so I still think it makes sense to go there and you know they've based they've said Campbell said it multiple times now you know they're they're specifically not going to be in a spot where um, they're going to say oh we are so set at this position that yeah. it doesn't make any sense to add someone and I don't and I think that they also have hinted that they kind of feel like the NFL operates that way anyway on a year-to-year basis where if you overload at cornerback mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be a team out there that needs a cornerback so you call them up and say what do you give me for this guy <laughs> he can start point. for you and you can yep. get a draft pick and so I think that they're gonna even if they feel like they're in pretty good shape somewhere and maybe that's at quarterback with Jared Goff and David Blau, Chase Daniel, yeah. uh, whatever they have there. Uh, you know, like even if that's a quarterback and they think Jared Goff's going to be their guy for 2021, maybe 2022, I, I don't think it trips up your game plan too much to go get one of these rookies and uh, put some competition in there and start building towards the future. So I, I think that everything's going to be there for them again, which is what you want. That's the like. On the one hand, it's not what you want because you want to be set some places. Right. On the other hand, yeah. in terms of the draft and in terms of leaving things on the table for you, you want to be able to say, we can go any direction here and do anything and feel comfortable with it. We don't want to get pigeonholed into having to pick an offensive tackle at seven because that's when you can get into trouble. If you pick out a desperate need, that's when you find yourself sort of in those trouble spots. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that um, this is... This is a pretty fascinating situation, I think, overall. And I think for a lot of people, they're still trying to wrap their head around sort of how this is going to go because <laughs> I think people are just so used to the Lions being in like a lose-lose scenario when it comes to the draft and everything else, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Where it's like, that's not true, obviously. I mean, they've, had, they've been in you know nice situations before, but this feels different to me. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because it feels like it has to be <laughs> different. Maybe that's part of it, but... Um, it's unique. I mean, in a way, I think a lot of people are excited. I think they should be because I think this is... We'll see. I mean, maybe they're not going to be excited after they see what these guys do in the draft. But right now, it does seem like there's just so many ways they could go with this. And I just... I guess maybe this is a question. What would be a bad thing here? If you were looking at... <laughs> if, what, would they, what, would, what could they do right now that you'd look at and say, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, because when I look around, I don't see a lot of those situations. I mean, I feel like they're going to come away with something pretty good one way or the other unless they just reach or something like that. But I guess, I don't know. What, what do you think on that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see – I mean, I, I think that if you – again, if you sort of force this, I think if you force a defender at seven because the That's defense good wasn't good yeah. last year – um, I just don't know. I, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the cornerbacks being really good. Maybe there's a case for Micah Parsons there. It sort of depends on how you feel about you know mm-hmm. what a middle linebacker, you know, whatever he's going to play, he's, an off-ball linebacker mm-hmm. is going to be for a defense when it looks like it, it it's supposed to for a playoff team. Um, that would be the only thing for me if they're just they go in and say the defense is is just garbage. We have to take a defensive player, right. and then you kind of. You leave, 
you know, you leave a bunch of wide receiver talent on the board and you leave maybe Panay Sewell or someone like that on the board and you take a defender just because you need one. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. I think it'd be very hard to screw this up entirely. Yeah, and I do right. think that, uh, you know, I think if that's the case, even if you say, well, let's prioritize defense, I think that that you have the option then of trading right. down to teams right. that don't want defense. <laughs> and so right. that, you know, if you're taking Micah Parsons at 12, that's a different conversation than if you're taking Micah Parsons at seven. So, um, what about what about Kyle Pitts? Are you uh, are you <sighs> would you be okay with a Kyle Pitts? I mean, he's that's, pretty good. That's the one, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the one that I. He's good. I feel like that is the one that people would lose their minds over, even more than a quarterback. Yeah, is if they go take Kyle Pitts there. Yeah, people wouldn't be happy. But I, I mean, he's a really good player. I, I don't, I don't know. That's a hard one. I agree with you. That's a tough one. I don't know. I personally would be fine with it, I think. I think uh, I'd be more okay with it than I probably thought originally. But, yeah, I think I would. I mean, I think around. I'd be okay with it in the same com- – like, it'd be the same conversation for me as taking uh, Jalen Waddle there, frankly. Probably, yeah. Like, it's just – this guy is just so dynamic and mm-hmm. so unique that let's just get him in the offense. And, uh, like, it, I think people will get hung up on the fact that he's – a tight end quote unquote, but right. if you're trying to remake this roster and become more uh, dynamic and more athletic, like, right. Uh, yeah. Take him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the one where it's like, if he's the best player there, it's the same thing. I mean, because ultimately I think what you're looking at is you boil it down and you just say they're in position to truly just get as many as they can, you know, in a, at a premium level and just take the best guy. And if you just take the best guy every time, you're going to improve your team right now because they just need so much stuff uh, across the board. I just, even Pitts, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I'm with you. I don't, uh, Parsons or an edge guy up there would be a little bit of a stretch based on how the board is, especially because I think you can get value, pretty similar value by moving down. You're not going to lose much. But other than that, you know, I mean, even if they wanted to take another tackle, I guess, if the the, the, the kid from Northwestern, if the even if they wanted to stretch on that one, I don't know. I mean, that would be even be one that I'd be like, well, you know, I don't. I mean, if Sewell wasn't there or something, so I don't know. I mean, there's a lot they could do. I did want to get into some other things uh, before we get out um, on you know Campbell and Holmes this week. Campbell talked a little bit about uh, the coaching staff, and uh, we wrote a little bit about that this morning uh, with some help from uh, some of the other beat writers here on uh, some of the new new guys coming in. I I didn't thought it was interesting. Um, he was asked about Deuce Staley. And the assistant head coach role that, you know, sort of the same thing he had with Sean Payton in New Orleans. I thought that was a really interesting, uh, you know, some insight there in that, you know, he was talking about how, you know, Campbell was talking about how he was on the phone with Staley when he was still deciding whether or not he wanted to stay in Philly and, and sort of explained to him that, you know, he saw this as an opportunity for him to come in here and train to be a head coach and, and help the Lions, you know, as a guy who, you know, it sounded like they were going to lean on his sort of, um, you know, insight for the whole roster. So I, I just, the staff is super unique. It's different. We haven't talked a ton about it. Um, there's a, so much, I mean, did the, did the numbers, I think it's 72 combined seasons of play in the NFL, not including Campbell. It'd be 83 if you go to that one. A lot, uh, a lot of NFL experience, a lot of guys who have been there, done that. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I don't know how it's going to go, but while we're here, just uh, you're, you're, the staff is complete. It's been complete, but your sort of thoughts on, on the whole thing and um you know how we think it's going to go here yeah i mean i don't 
I'm trying not to be like too hyperbolic about anything mm-hmm. or too, you know, rose colored glasses or anything, but I understand, you know, now that we're whatever it is, a month, month and a half into it, why, um, the Lions stressed so much in hiring Campbell that they thought other coaches would come here. And I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with what you heard him talk about with Deuce Daly, where it was not come be part of my staff and yep. here's how it's going to run. And, you know, here's what your role is going to be. It was come here and we'll get you ready to be a head coach. And I'm going to give you a ton of stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be in charge of all these things. And I think that that's probably the same pitch he gave. You know, that's why Anthony Lynn's here because he's going to have full control of that offense. And oh, everyone's yeah. yeah. going to have full control of that defense. And if he wants to sit in on some offensive meetings so he's ready to go do head coaching mm-hmm. interviews, great. Let's have the more the merrier. And I think that you're seeing a lot of coaches come in here. You know, Dom Capers is kind of the exception, yeah. but I think you're seeing a lot of uh, coaches come in here that have uh, very bright futures in this league. And so if things go well, you know, this isn't uh, just like hopping on a dying star here. I mean, I think this is a situation where they saw an opportunity where, you know, if things go really well, the ideal is that this is a, there's a Dan Campbell coaching tree in like right. five years, you know, and uh, it sounds kind of ridiculous to talk <laughs> about, uh, but I think that that's the end game is that they're, this becomes, they, they lay this foundation and then all these guys that they brought in now are head coaches somewhere else in three or four years. And, and so I can understand the appeal for uh, assistants who maybe thought they had hit the wall in certain spots or a guy like Anthony Lynn who just needs to reestablish himself uh, before going for another head coaching job. So I, I think they've done this the right way in terms of hiring the staff. I think it's a really, really good, interesting, unique staff. It doesn't mean it's going to be a great product on the field. It doesn't mean it's all going to work, but I, I do think the way it's come together is a positive or says something positive about, Dan Campbell and about the type of program he's trying to build. Yeah, I thought it was refreshing to see, to be honest, that, you know, you saw guys come in here that obviously, like Mark Brunel uh, is, a, is a unique situation. I mean, he'd been in the league 19 years as a player, uh, hasn't been a coach in the NFL, but like, you know, the only reason he left that high school job to come back here was because of Campbell, because they got along at a different spot. So some of it is the thing that we see, you know, he's familiar with this guy, he knows this guy or whatever, but like you look at a guy like Antoine Randall who hasn't really had a lot of time, you know, in the coaching world yet, as he's still pretty young guys in his early 40s and just hasn't, you know, hasn't been done playing that long, I guess. But is a guy that when you think about it and you really boil it all down, you're like, okay, well, this is a guy who hasn't been out of the game for that long. He did it at a really high level. He impacted multiple parts of an offense when he played. Like if if Randall L was playing right now, he would be like an awesome player inside oh, an yeah. Anthony Lynn system, uh, or probably any system. And you look at that and you say his perspective on the game from a you know direct like I've seen it, I've done it for a younger player. I mean, I don't think you can do better than that. Frankly, I mean, he's got to be able to communicate and all the things that you want a coach to be able to do. But, you know, that idea, and we've seen teams do this. I'm, I'm seeing it more in, in college, too, um, you know, right now. And I think it's smart. I think players seem to work better with guys who can get in there in their head a little bit and be like, hey, I, I've seen all of this. I've seen all this. I've done all this. I think it makes a ton of sense. 
And I don't think it's a big, huge roll of the dice because, like you said, Chris, I mean, it's year one of a rebuild. If it doesn't work, whatever. Just restart it and do it again. Like, it's not a big deal. But I think it's super interesting. I thought it was refreshing because we, we, got, we get so used to seeing... You know, well, this guy's here and he, you know, this 82-year-old coach was his mentor 42 <laughs> years ago. So he's here now. Right. And that guy's friend is here now. And that guy's friend. And before you know it, you look up, you're like, who are any of these people? And then you get, you know, six months down the road, you're like, well, no wonder, right? So I thought it was refreshing. I thought it was different. Um, and I, I do. I mean, I think the Lions, when they talk about this collaborative thing, and I guess that remains to be seen on how it all goes. But, you know, Campbell got asked about that and... They've stayed. They've stayed right in the same answer the whole time. It's like he and Brad Holmes are going to think as one person, more or less, and and work out whatever they have to work out. And everyone else is going to be there to support that. And if they're not supporting that, then they're gone. I think that that's the only way to look at it right now. And I think that, frankly, for the Lions and the situation they're in, that is the only way to do this. It, putting all of your eggs in one guy's basket to fix it all and just be like, hey, you do it and do whatever you want. I mean, it has to be a collaborative team type thing. That's how you build an organization. Uh, and I think that's probably why a lot of people are so like, what's happening here? Why is Sheila Ford <laughs> sitting in meetings? What is going yeah, right. on? And it's like, well, they're all trying to figure out. To me, that just, I mean, it does. I'm, I'm not, I'm the same with you. I'm not someone who's just going to buy whatever <laughs> is being sold here. But to me, everything we've seen from Sheila Ford over the last two years, uh, apart from maybe they should have fired Patricia and Quinn on the spot that day instead of kicking the can. But other than that, everything she's done has indicated that she is trying to take this as serious as possible and trying to be an involved owner uh, who cares and wants it to work, which is the opposite of what we've seen from the family in the last however many years we want to count back. So when I look at that, that's all That's all that makes sense to me. I, I, she's not trying to call plays... She's not trying to say who she wants to sign, any of this. I mean, I just I think it's a signal of a team that's really trying to get it fixed. I don't know if it'll work, but to me, it's been refreshing. I mean, I, that's that's the only thing I can say about it. Yeah, and again, as long as it stays sort of in the where it is now, I don't I don't get the sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound from anyone in there like she's meddling in things. It sounds like she just wants to be involved in it. And I think some of that comes from, uh, as you said, what happened with. Patricia and, and Quinn and I think it's probably important to note like she obviously was part of the decision-making group she was yeah uh, the right hand of, of Martha Ford for five six years but that was still Martha Ford's team mm-hmm. until not that long ago and so uh, I think she sat there and watched as you know uh, Martha and Rod Wood and they you know I think part of the pitch for Bob Quinn and for Matt Patricia was come in we're washing our hands of every, just take it. This is do yeah. whatever you want here to make us, give us a winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we won't, we, you we won't, won't see us. You yeah, won't right. hear from us. Right. The, uh, you know, the Dan Campbell and Spielman have both mentioned like Sheila, Sheila has moved her office. Now it used to be like the owner's office was like blocked off mm-hmm. in that building. There was a whole nother wing basically <laughs> for Martha <laughs> Ford that you had to walk all the way down the hallway. And then, yeah. you know, down another smaller hallway to get into her office way tucked away from everyone else and so i think that sheila saw this all happening and saw that there was this huge huge disconnect between you know the coach g the front office and ownership and between the business side and the front office like right. all these all these different tentacles had gone off their own direction and now i think it makes a lot of sense that she would want to try and bring it all back together and that's kind of what 
uh, they've been talking about this whole time and what Dan Campbell's talked about and Brad Holmes has talked about, like just bringing this all back together as one thing and trying to move forward together. And mm-hmm. if it fails, everyone fails. And right. if it <laughs> works, it's going to be incredible because everyone's on the same page. But uh, at least it's it's vastly different from where you were. And I think that was the only way to do it. Yeah. And I think if you're going to fail, fail doing it like this, to be quite honest, because if you're going to fail, <laughs> fail going all in, because that's what it seems like to me that the ownership is, you know, the, the primary owner of the Detroit lions appears to be as all in as you can be on. What do you need me to do? What do you need me to help you with? I will do it, but I also want to be kept, you know, I want to know what my team is doing. I, I want to know, you know, if I should be concerned about this or if I shouldn't be concerned about this. I want to know, you know, where we're looking, not, you know, uh, if we want to go speed or something else at this position necessarily, but, you know, what direction in general are we taking? Whereas I think that speaks to, and again, we've talked about this a bunch of times, they were honest with themselves and they've been honest, I think, frankly, with their fans as well. They've been upfront and it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been something where we saw Sheila Ford come out and be like, hey, Detroit, I'm sorry for the last however many years here for, uh, you know, right. us screwing this up. I, I want to take this opportunity to release a statement, take an ad out in the paper. and apologize. It hasn't been that, but she hasn't exactly come out and acted like it's been some other operation entirely. She's been very, I think, in, in the few times that we've talked with her, and, you know, obviously I think Rod Wood was too, frankly. I think they've been pretty upfront about that and pretty open about that and pretty honest about that, and I think that was a pretty big step. And I think that if... If you're a fan who's not ready to meet them halfway yet, I get that too. If you're jilted and everything else, but I, I do think they're trying. And I think that if you're going to fail, I mean, fail trying. And I think that that's different than what we've seen in recent years, at least. So in that sense, if nothing else, I think that's at least encouraging. So we got anything else here this week uh, before we write out? I know there's probably going to be some stuff happening sooner than later, maybe even today. I don't know. I mean, with roster moves and everything else. So I guess we'll be on alert uh, for all that. Yeah, I mean, I would just encourage people who haven't gotten subscriptions yet to head over. We've been, we've got a lot of stuff coming oh, <laughs> over yeah. the next couple of weeks here. I just had a full mock draft go up. Uh, Nick, had, as you mentioned, had the the intel on the new coaching staff. So there's already a ton up, and these next however many weeks it is, are going to be extremely busy in the NFL world. So uh, hopefully everyone's uh, signed up and checking out the site on a regular basis. Absolutely. And if you're uh, not a subscriber to this podcast, please do that. Rate, review, subscribe, give us a look. Uh, and if you have a podcast preference, uh, podcast listening preference where we are not at, let us know and we'll make sure to get that fixed. But until next time, for Chris, I'm Nick. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.